Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode number thirty-three of the Common Sense Podcast. My name is Patrick, and my name's Antonia. And we are back up in this thing. Yes, we are. <laughs> For another week, we have survived yet another week. Um, I am inching. I'm just going to jump straight into the good news. I am getting so close to spring break. I am four days away from being on a plane heading to somebody's beach. Amen. It's beautiful. In Thailand, in Thailand and Sri Lanka. So excited. My mom keeps asking me like, "You can afford that?" I'm like, "Girl, <laughs> yes." I don't pay taxes. Yes, I can. I don't pay taxes no more, nor do I pay rent or utilities. So, ball out. I can do this. Balling out. I can do this. And I paid off a credit card this month. Do I have a Go witness Patrick. in the house? Go, Patrick. Okay. Go, Patrick. Um, oh. <laughs> you, look, at that in- <laughs> look at that enthusiasm you have in the morning. That'll never happen um, in, in America. <laughs> um, I'm also really excited because um, I started writing again. I came up with a really, really, really awesome uh book idea um because you know that is like something that I've always loved to do since I was a fourth grader and so uh I've been trying to think how can I contribute to um middle grades fiction how can I contribute to um horror fiction for kids you know um I've always wanted to be like a mix between Jordan Peele and R.L. Stein, and like, and really bring y'all some like, you know, tales from the hood, mixed with a little like, <laughs> mixed with a little you know modern funky stuff for kids, you know, because I as we talked about last week, I loved horror, I love horror everything, um, but I feel like. Goosebumps can't be the only thing that we got out here yeah. in these streets, you know. I'm dead at the ho- at the tales from the hood, though. Yeah, but that's you my need shit. To <laughs> keep that in your pocket. Yes. Um. So that's exciting. I also have um signed up for therapy this week. Yay! Um, which is like four years too late. I have not sat in front of a therapist um, since I graduated from college um, when I was in the midst of coming out and transitioning from school to DC and back home and like all that stuff. So um, considering how crazy of a year it's been, kind of going from A black male teacher teaching black male students 
at a school uh, that had tons of autonomy to now being all the way across the world and all the shit that has happened in between, not only in my personal life, but in the world, you know, like I need to talk to someone because it ain't, it just ain't working out for a brother. It just ain't working out. Um, and when we talk about mental health and self-care and teacher burnout, like so often we leave the professional mental health care out of that. You know what I'm saying? Like we leave, like we, like we talk about, don't take work home. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so much of the self-care is on us, but in a sense, we, we kind of need to delegate so that we don't have, you know, so, so that we can kind of share that, uh, share that with someone so that we don't always feel like the world is kind of crushing us, uh, from the top down. You know what I'm saying? I definitely probably should look into getting a therapist, but I need to find out if my insurance covers that first, which it may or may not, but I feel like that's the obstacle that most of us come across, specifically Black people, like the cost of it. And then finding a Black therapist, right. like, I'm sorry, but that's the only person I'd be willing to talk to is a Black therapist because some people are just not going to have the same worldview and the same background knowledge in order to, like, empathize, I guess, with our experiences. So, yeah. In a sense, like, I didn't, I just don't really feel like ex- explaining. No, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm just not. Like, it's not going to happen. You know? Um, so it seems like you had a lot more good news than I do. I am counting down. I have eight Mondays left. Um, I need to go back and recount how many actual days. And I just had, I have a new partnership with my book account. I'm going to be doing a giveaway with NYU Press um, of a new book by Dr. Sabrina Sings. Um, It's about fat phobia. So I'm really excited to get that Mm. book and read it and share my thoughts. Um, And I already said that there are only eight Mondays left, but that's how excited I am about that. So, I feel your excitement. I mean, I could be a little more enthusiastic, but like, yeah, that's that's definitely how I feel. Before you can get too enthusiastic, you realize that you have the end of the school year is coming. I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like everything that's extra that happens at the end of the school year? Everything that's extra, all the random things that are due, um... You know, those random surprises, the emotions that come with, like, the end of the school year and saying goodbye to kids, you know, like, that sometimes is a thing. Um, But everything is just always crazy. Packing up your room, which is the worst. I hate packing Um, up my room at the end of the year. So, depending on what kind of teacher you are. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I will not say when I started packing Unless up. you were. We won't talk about that. Um. <laughs> Unless you were picking, picking crates in the middle of the year. But I got it, you know. Um, that I is also it. why you yeah. label everything when you walk in the door. Because that new stuff that they try to give you and they'll be like, oh, everything. that's mine. That's ours. Uh, no, Period. you thought that's not yours. Um, is there anything mm-hmm. else? I don't think there is. Oh, I guess. Um, 
So now I'm like actively volunteering with the Junior League of Houston and the Ronald McDonald House. So that has really been contributing to, I don't want to say me not caring about school because I do care about school, but it's giving me something that's unrelated to school in any shape or form to look forward to. And when I'm at these events and like volunteering with people, like I don't talk about school. And it's really, really nice. Like people ask what I do and they say I'm a teacher and then they make their typical comments about, oh, how it must be fun. I'm like, yeah. And then I change the topic and it's it's really refreshing to not be around teachers necessarily after school um, and to not be doing something related to my job for once. And it, it kind of makes me think like what my world would look like if I worked in the nonprofit sector. So I'm kind of interested in that now. Mm. So we'll see what happens. Well, you just keep yeah. surprising me. I mean, I do. I went to. Oh, I, oh. I also Funny went to a Montessori open house. Um, yeah, and oh, yes. Um, so teachers? there is a school here called Post Oak School, um, which is a very Seems like a great place to send your child, but um, very white, very expensive. Um, And they have a Montessori Institute there. And so they hold an open house when they're starting up a new cohort. And we got to go into one of the classrooms that the teacher left set up after the school day ended so that we could walk around and observe and like just chat with her about it. And like walking in, I felt this sense of peace that I've not felt since I like stepped foot in the public school classroom. And I I don't even really know how to explain it. It's just Mm. that like while there are things like to the Montessori method that can be improved upon, um, like with materials or whatever, or like grace and courtesy, um, I do believe it's a better method than what we're offering children in public school. And I stand by that. And I will not like apologize for believing that in a sense, we are hurting kids in the public school system by forcing everyone down a pigeonhole, having them in classes based on their age. Mm. So, because um, Montessori is mm. multi-age classrooms and like you're not limiting a child. You're following the child and doing what's best for them. And knowing that something like that exists is why, like, as I continue through public ed, I'm really starting to struggle. And like, I'm not, I'm starting to not see, like, I find joy, you try to find joy in each day, right? But like going to work and knowing there's something better that you could be doing with children, it's really difficult. So um, I'm also exploring starting training this summer. I got to figure out the, like, the funding for that because it is very, it's very expensive. It's cost prohibitive. It's like $12,000 over the course of three summers. Um, So you think about who can afford to pay that up front. Um. It's typically not going to be young mm. black teachers of color or young, well, black and te- other teachers of color. It's going to be people who have, you know, that income or that wealth stored and accumulated from unfair ways of obtaining it. Uh, so, yeah, we'll we'll see if I start training this summer. I'm really, really, really excited about the possibility. And I've started my application. Um, but yeah, that's all my good news. Eight Mondays, y'all. I don't know about y'all, but we get out before Memorial Day. Eight. So, 
that's some that's some Texas shit right there. <laughs> Real talk. I have way too many Mondays left, but Ramadan is coming up, which means that um the school day hours are shortened by three hours. And so I only work four hours a day, nice. eight to twelve, and then I am out. Um Kalas done at home um, to respect folks. So um, I had a conversation. I know we said we we're going to talk about this thing, but let me, can I start here and then we, we can work our way into that? Okay. So I, 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 I had this conversation with someone and I wanted to just get your really quick opinion. Um, for, first is I love how this podcast started off super structured with like games and like, you know, <laughs> Now we're going to go into this to like, this is the experiences that we're having. We need to dive into this. Um, I had a conversation with someone, not an educator, but someone who studies education as a system. Um, and, and they made the claim that people aren't as invested in education now as they once were when we were younger. Making the claim that there was a lot more educational programming um, and advertising. Um, There was a lot more um, maybe commercials or uh, things that kind of pushed us or showed in some way, shape, or form that school was cool, in a sense. But now with the rise of technology and social media, there isn't so much of a commercial focus on school being cool or or school being uh, something that, you know, kids should focus on. And I'm what when I say school, I'm thinking K through 12, not college, um, as we once were. And I thought that was just like an interesting point of view. Not sure like what my thoughts are on it completely, but I just want to know what you thought about that. Um, so growing up in Dallas, there was this song that used to come on on the radio every morning called I Love School. Um, and it would come on right like. I think 30 minutes before area schools like started. So for most of us, we're in the car driving to school at that time. And for me, it like, it got me excited to walk into the school building. And so it was something as simple as a song, right? Um, But every day hearing it set me in the right mood to go into school. Um, I do think we can't, we can't really control like the message sent about school anymore um, because children mm. are receiving information from so many different places, which is kind of, which is, which is scary. Um, and then two, we're out of, I think a lot of us are out of the home a lot more now. And so like those conversations mm. about school and like doing the homework together and like talking about the importance of education is not, it's not happening as often. I feel like, um, I'm not sure I entirely agree, but like to a degree, I agree. If that 
That does make sense, yeah. I remember, like, Arthur and um, the Proud Family and all those cartoons that we've already talked about on this show a million times, how, you know, I wanted to be in a school like yeah. them, you know? And, like, even on, like, commercials, like the back-to-school commercials, Mr. Uh-huh. Allen's, like, you know, like, that was just, like, something that was just, like, lit. You know, back in the day that made you maybe not 100% excited, but it definitely, like, you know, pushed you a little bit closer towards the door. And it did create sort of this uniformity um, that kids should be in school. And not only that they should be in school, but they should be enjoying (laughs) school, whether it's like they should be fashionable, they should have a bomb-ass lunchbox, they should, um, you know be reading i don't know some of these shows now it's like it's not at least with what i've seen on disney and i just oh my god i would never if i had a child now i don't think i'd let them watch disney but none of the shows are cartoons and none of them are really talking about at least not for like elementary age because every like young friend like young children it's still cartoon but like elementary age and up all of it is real shows like that's a raven but none of it is anything related to school. I agree. Like they're obsessed with having a boyfriend or girlfriend, or they're obsessed with little fights that are happening with their friends, but like you never see them really like in school settings and environments like we did when we were growing up on like watching TV. I love Sister Sister, like how that took us from them being in middle school to high school to college. Um, Tamara and Tia cheating on tests, um, them having teachers who they didn't like, who they liked and didn't like and had crushes on, which I, you know, that's a whole yeah. other situation, but still like in school, um, I think about Full House, right? And like how those shows, though, were primarily about different people and families, the kids' storylines were still very much uh, uh surrounding their school lives and identities you know what i'm saying um taking like going on field trips and i remember when when they went to the uh to the museum and they end up knocking over the the dinosaur and like 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 school used to be cool (laughs) so it's not anymore obviously we shouldn't depend on advertisers to make school cool. But when I think about kind of what was, what's kind of contributing to the decline, rapid decline and like investment uh, and engagement of students, I just wonder how much advertising and media plays into students not really uh uh not really being as as invested like i would love a survey maybe i do this my damn self <laughs> um since i'm not on social media anymore but i would love a survey on like a group of ninth graders now and like or like a group of people now and a group of people you know years ago and say like who remembers watching a show or like a or like a commercial that promoted positivity in school 
you know what I'm saying? Or like just showed school in a positive light. The only thing that I think that people are doing now is like this anti-bullying thing, which I don't think really makes school cool at all. But I think it just further perpetuates school as a scary place and as a place that children don't want to be. I don't know. I Everything is so fast paced now. Like when I think of why would a child want to be in school now? As like compared to why I would want to be in school or when I was in school, like so much of it has to do with the social interactions, right? Like you, you could not really talk to your friends outside of school. But now, Mm. like you can talk to them the moment you wake up, the moment you go to sleep. And so I wonder, like also, and this isn't related to advertising, obviously, but like what what kind of role that has played in, like, children being excited for school, I guess. I, I Like, I just, I feel like there's so much that goes into it. I don't, I don't know. And then the, the need to feel like, at least on teachers' ends, on, a te- on the teacher end, like, the advertising that we receive from whatever form, like, feeling like you have to entertain children all day. It's another topic, though, because I don't think it's my job to entertain anyone. Um, It's my job to teach, but that gets into, like, the microwave generation and, like, not being able to wait and instant gratification, but whatever. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I just popped in on on Nickelodeon's uh, website because I wanted to see what kind of shows they were having now. Um... I don't see any shows that are kind of, I think, <laughs> I mean, this also just kind of goes to the thing, like, everybody wants to talk about serious issues now. So, like, there are, like, shows that are surrounding these serious issues, but not really around kids and, um, like, their school life. Uh, there is, they, they, they do have one show called The Substitute, which <laughs> basically celebrities dress up as substitute teachers to surprise a class of unsuspecting students what? and gives the school $25,000. That just, you could have kept that and just given the money. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's the only show, but I could be totally wrong. Like, my my siblings don't even watch Nickelodeon and Disney Channel anymore. So, <sighs> just interesting. We would love to know your thoughts on the rise or decline of education and advertising or education in media, education and television shows. Cause even the after school cartoons are not even a thing anymore. I mean, but who has time for after school cartoons when you have ballet and soccer and swimming and guitar or violin Ooh. or like Who has that? I don't know, depending on where you teach. Kids are busy nowadays. Back back in D.C., those kids went straight home and they hopped on the tablet all well, night Well, that too, long. to watch YouTube videos. YouTube videos and blogs. And uh, there are kids who watch other kids play with toys. That is so weird to me. Okay, like, I, <laughs> we are way off topic. Sorry. But, like, I do not understand how YouTube is like TV now. And like, I even see it on Instagram where other teachers are like, I'm going to watch a teacher vlog tonight. And I'm just like what like you don't want to follow like a storyline through like an entire season but yes the kids opening 
I think the first thing I saw was like the LOL dolls. And there was this little girl I babysit and her mom was like, she can have 30 minutes of tablet time. And I was like, okay. So she goes and gets the tablet and she's just watching another little kid unbox the LOL doll and like play with the thing, with the toys and the pieces that came. And I'm just like, you have LOL dolls right in front of you go play with them. And she's like, <laughs> no. And clicks the next video. Like, wow. I do not understand. Like, the, the there is such a disconnect between like the here and now and what other people are doing that it's it's weird and then i recently found out there's something there's some little girl called jojo i don't even know yes, if she has jojo she siwa or si shiwa something like that like all the little girls watch her and all of them like have these huge bows and like i see her stuff in target and i'm just like off of you like youtube i'm like what yeah, well, because it makes no you, sense. You really don't have to ask kids what they want to be when they grow up anymore. They want to be YouTubers. Be because they could they can be what they want to be right now, which is a good and a bad thing, right? Um, so I think it just kind of begs us to question: What is the real purpose of school? That yeah, there was one. I'm sorry to interrupt you. There was one little my friend. She has a little boy at her school who is YouTube famous, and like once a week. I think she said like Thursdays or Fridays. He misses a lot of school, but like once a week he gets picked up early, him and his brother, and they fly out to California to to do something related to his YouTube channel. And I'm just like, wait, what? But yeah. he's making enough money that like I think if I were a parent, like that extra money coming in, like Amen. I can teach you what you're missing. Period. It's fine. I mean, that reminds me of the girl that we saw at NCTE last year. Um maybe nine or oh, ten years yeah. nine or ten years old who is traveling the country and going to schools and being keynote speakers at elementary schools but technically she should be at those schools why, so it's why like you're not in your own literature circle like what are you but, doing <laughs> but then like what what message then does that send to children right the fact yeah. that i don't even have to be in school anymore um like it's not that important. Look at her. She's famous. She gets likes. She gets clicks. She gets money. She, she gets these coins. And she's not even in school. So what really is the purpose of school? And if we're questioning what the purpose of school is, then we have to question what is the role of a teacher? Yep. What is our purpose and what is our role? And I think that that has really been me up these last, uh, you know, five or six months because in August when we first started this podcast, I was so sure. But now I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> On like really what like what what truly is our purpose? And I don't want the cliche answers of inspiring the youth and, you know, pushing kids forward. No, like 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 what really is our sole purpose? And maybe that's different depending on the context. But are we really teaching children of of the now generation or are we still trying to like, like you said, pigeonhole them into 75 different kinds of education? And when I said 75, I mean what education used to be, what education should be, what education is, and like trying to kind of give them all of these different forms of education as opposed to like 
really being like, let's sit down and figure out what are the needs of our of our kids and like let's prepare them to be the things that they truly want to be um i don't know like that's not gonna happen though because they're they're standardized tests now we have to get them ready i just i feel like we are ignoring every message that children are sending us about what they need in school every message i agree with it a hundred percent There is no reason for a six-year-old to be taking a standardized test that shows their growth in reading or math over the course of the school year. Like everything we claim that these, these, that we are spending the year doing and then preparing them for tests to show like that they've grown, like using one single test is to define a child is so, I wouldn't even say archaic because it's so recent, right? But like... Hmm. It's an outdated method of assessing a child and seeing what they've learned for the year. And I don't like it's I wonder, too, if that's like sending a message that school doesn't matter because I've worked all year to learn new things. And now it comes down to this one test that can decide if I even go to the next grade level, even though like maybe I've enjoyed the school year, like maybe I haven't. But it all comes down to this one thing. I don't know. That I know that I'm not going to pass anyway because it's written in a in a level that is nowhere even close to me. You want to differentiate for me the entire year, but when it comes time to the state test, you want to give me a reading passage that's three, four, five grade levels ahead of what I actually can read? What the hell, teacher? I don't know. I wonder if, and I would have to look it up, but like, is it illegal for a teacher? I'm sure it's not because like freedom of speech, right? But then they go and say like, oh, you can't say that because you're a teacher. But like, is it illegal for a teacher to tell a family to opt out? Uh, it depends on where you are. Um, it's more of an ethical decision than it is a... That's just... It's, I think, it's I, not, like, I, if I, I don't think there's a law. If I had a child, I would not be like, sorry. My kid's not taking that test. Test doesn't mean anything. It means my child can sit and maintain focus for five hours. That's what that test means. Yeah. Or cannot maintain focus for five hours. Period. I just, I really think we're, we're harming children. Um, Even in, like, even in public schools that we say are, like, doing the right thing quote unquote and like providing these great experiences like we're harming kids and I'm afraid Mm. to see like what this generation will grow up and be like like I'm honestly afraid because a lot of them like like I said it's it's tied to like the microwave like the instant gratification um we're pushing kids out that can't read we're we're turning kids out that can't think critically about numbers um and like I don't believe in retention, but we're sending kids Mm. on to the next grade level without them first becoming successful at what they're doing. And then they're not getting the service and extra Mm. support that they need at the next grade level. So I'm really actually Mm. afraid. Um, Like, sure, there are some teachers doing great things and helping children in the best way that they possibly can. But like what we're churning out through our public school system is really scary at this point. Because like, obviously, being on the inside, seeing it happen, right? And, like, you just think 10 years down the road, like, some of these children are going to be the ones voting for for whatever is happening. And, like, 
they're going to be the largest voter base. Um, I don't know. And it just, it just, it becomes kind of personal at that. Like, it's always personal, but it becomes personal because it's like, what we're doing to children is going to affect all of us. So I think it was like our quote at the end of another episode one day. Um, and James Baldwin said, for these are all our children and we will all profit by or pay for what they become. And I'm just afraid of how we're going to be paying. Like, at, <laughs> what's going to happen because of what we've done to education now um, and how we've, like, shifted developmentally appropriate practices for the sake of capitalism? It always comes back to capitalism, right? It always comes back to capitalism. And I think what it all boils down to for me at this moment is like figuring out if I want to participate in this or if I don't want to, Um, because people can say, well, just start your own school. I'm like, well, I know we had an episode on that, but in a sense, that's, that's, that's not the answer because there's still something in my conscience that still is capitalism, right? Opening up another school because your kids are going to be, doing great things and there's still going to be a shit ton of other kids who are uh, still going through the same broken system. So I think that there has to be a systematic shift and there has to be a culture shift on uh, kind of figuring out what does new generation schools look like? Should we be embracing technology? Should we not be embracing technology should we be more trades based should we not be what is a what is a education system that is well balanced um you know look like i think your question um, of like if i want to participate in this has been like my my frame of thinking for this school year because there comes a point when you like you know what is happening is wrong and you have to grapple yes. with, okay, this is how I pay my bills, but this is wrong. And, like, I think that kind mm. of erodes the sense of joy you get from the job. And it erodes how much extra yes. you want to do. Um, and it mm. it has an impact on the relationships that you build with the people in the school or the relationship with the children, their families. Because you know, like, when it all boils down... And, like, we talk about what was education like in 20, 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. Like, I perpetuated that. Like, I, I, I was engaged in harming children, though I tried my best not to, right? Like, I knew this was wrong, and I continued to do it. Which is why I left my first school, just because I just, I could not continue with that. But it it doesn't like it gets better in other settings but it doesn't get better it's the same practices i i really don't know i really don't which is why i'm like <laughs> which is why i'm like Breathe. which is why i went to that montessori open house because i don't think there is a perfect model that we're going to be able to implement widespread for all children have access to but i think that's the closest i can get to it because what's happening in public ed, like, I'm going to lose my mind if, like, I continue with it. And 
And I'm waiting on the large teacher revolt that happens that not only talks about teacher pay, that not only talks about large class sizes. Hey, Betsy. Um, but that, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think we have to kind of come together to start coming up with some innovative solutions. Like what does, like, what does it all look like? Um, and I think, you know, that's why I am starting to dive into other passions and we're not going to get into, you know, that right now, but our participation in the system yeah, only yeah. leaves it standing. And if we want to, if we want it to crumble down for the sake of our babies, for the sake of our babies, then we kind of have to figure out what will we start to do differently? Um, because nostalgia just won't cut it. <laughs> it just won't cut it. It's really it, sad. Like you know? once you like once it clicks, like you're like, dang, I'm yeah, I'm really in here expecting all these kids to learn this at the same time. No matter like what they came like, not to say like anything or assume anything bad about what like the family a child comes from but like I really expect every single child in here to reach this goal by the end of the year and if not then they like I need to accept that they are behind or that there is something wrong if they don't reach this benchmark goal and that there is something wrong with me as an educator if this this fresh five-year-old does not reach the reading level d by the end of the year when the rest of the world does not send their children to school until they're seven I just see it really starts to take a toll. And like, I think a lot of times, like if I had a child, like would I put them through this system? That you are helping to uphold. That I am helping to uphold. Hmm. Something to think about and keep thinking because we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yeah. And we are back. If you have questions, please send them to www.commonsensepod at gmail.com. Or you can send them to our website at commonsensepod.com, where you can also buy merchandise that has a Common Sense logo on it. What's our question this week? So our question comes from Samantha. I'm not sure it's a uh, real or fake name because she has like this smiley face beside it. But she says, (laughs) "Okay." Samantha says, I am a white female teacher in Texas. I work in a large district and the campus I work at is more diverse than the snapshot of the district, economically and racially. The more reading I do, the more research I do, the more I surround myself with choices, with voices, I'm sorry, that are different than my own, the more I question my position. My student population is 16% black, 42% Latinx, and 29% white. Our staff population is 9% black, 5% Latinx, and 51% white. That's crazy. I love my kids and I love my school, but I am taking up a spot, a.k.a. white privilege, that would be better suited by Mm. someone that better mirrors my student population. What do y'all think? Mm. Thanks for this amazing podcast, Mm. and thank you for keeping it honest. Love y'all. Wow. Ooh. Um, The reflection is nice. Um, this is a tough one. We know what having a teacher that looks like you does 
for kids of color, you know? Um, and so I would, I want to so easily be like, yeah, girl, go ahead and give, give, give your spot up. You know what I'm saying? But my real question becomes who's knocking on the door to work there? <laughs> that was my, that was my uh, thought process. So like you say, they're 51% white. Um, even if you left, if your admin is white, chances are high. They'll just hire another white girl. So, because you can't control anyone's hiring practices, right? Um, mm. Like, the reflection is nice, but I almost, like, and I'm a little hesitant to say it, I'd rather there be a white person there that's reflective about their the space they're taking up and, like, the work that they're doing than for, like, someone else to walk in and be hired who's... Who are acting a damn yeah, fool. essentially. Because you don't know who your principal's going to hire if you leave. And it likely will not be a person of color if your school is 51% white with that with with staff so i don't know i say because you're so reflective and understanding you definitely need to stay there and you need to continue to reflect on your privilege continue to check in with yourself and um and ensure that you're, you're giving those kids the best damn education that they deserve and that they want. Um, and maybe you need to get rid of one of those other white teachers who ain't doing <laughs> shit and, and give, make sure they give they spot up because you deserve to be there as opposed to somebody who is aware um, of the impact that they're making on children. Like, get one of those folks who who still believe that race ain't real. How about that? I would also probably, I would recommend, if if this is something your school does, sitting on the hiring panel or hiring committee. Um, yes. That way you can vocalize, like, the need for people of the global majority to be staffed at your school. Um, because 51%, that's just, I mean, we see it across the country, but that's ridiculous. Nine percent. Like I, I'm almost curious about those breakdowns of numbers, just because I was looking at another school in the Houston area, and like it said that their staff was six percent black, but that meant one black teacher. And I know mm. that because I went like when I look at schools, I go through and I look at the pictures of every single teacher and the grade level photos if they have them, and so that's how I knew that it was just one black teacher. Um. So I think you should, like, try to join the hiring committee if you can. And maybe even print off some articles about how having teachers that look like you increases student achievement and sliding in somebody's mailboxes. But, you know, don't put your name on it. Or if you're bold, put your name on it. I just know I couldn't do that where I'm at. <laughs> if you have questions, please send them to www.commonsensepod.com or you can send them to our website at, did I say that already? Commonsensepod.com. Or send them to our Gmail at commonsense.com pod at gmail.com don't forget to visit our store to buy our merchandise our cups and shirts and all things it takes nine to twelve business days to ship a little long but we appreciate your patience <laughs> i know we got a quote this week we right do. ma'am and i'm worried i'm gonna say her last name wrong um it's from our quote is from marion wright edelman or edelman i'm unsure um I tried to find a video of someone saying her name, but they all just call her Marion, which 
you know, I think we're not doing that. We ain't doing that. Um, And she founded the Children's Defense Fund, if you want to go and learn more about that. But um, Mrs. Edelman, Marion Wright Edelman, says, Together we can and must fight for justice for our children and protect them from draconian tax cuts and budget choices that threaten their survival, education, and preparation for the future. If they are not ready for tomorrow, neither is America. Mm. Talking about you, Betsy. <sighs> How dare she? What? An- she has never had a good Ever. hearing. Like, she has never given one good answer. That's Larger class like, oh, sizes? Really, girl? Really? It's like with, uh, with, is it? With Twitter and Instagram, they keep asking users what they want, and then they go do the opposite of what we want. The opposite. Like, did, <laughs> no teacher Special told Olympics? you. What did right. the people of the Special Olympics do to you? Nobody ever messes with the Who Special Olympics. I was shook. Really? Ugh. A mess, child. I've been to a Special Olympics event. I've raised money for Special Olympics. Like, the fact that their funding could possibly, possibly be cut that is that is so heartbreaking to me. That's so I don't heartbreaking. Know. All of this is just a sign to get out, get out, to get out of the U.S. I know that's not. I, I still haven't seen the movie, but you know, like the speculation before Jordan and Pills movie came out, when they were like, "Okay, get out," and then us. Maybe he's telling us to get out the U.S. Go <laughs> <laughs> back. You Make sure your passport. I haven't seen it yet. No, I, I you ever think get out? No, I've seen get out. I meant us. Oh, when are you going to go see it? You said you're going to see it. I don't know. I thought I was going to see it last week, but I didn't. Okay. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about it on the next episode briefly. Hopefully briefly. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. You have anything else? Nope. I'm good. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, With that being said, we are about to piece up out of here so that we can prepare for tomorrow and the rest of our days. That sounds so which morbid. Really, it's just like the end of the school year, which we know how crazy that can be. And so, with that, uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early. You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews. Um, and reading them and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted yes and we'll see you next time